0: Welcome to One Weird Trick, a podcast giving advice for better living. Your hosts, Aaron and Cecily, have zero legal, medical, or psychological qualifications to give advice. Please consider any advice you receive from them as being from well meaning, but human and imperfect friends. Please consult actual professionals for any serious legal, medical, or mental help you may need. And now, here's Cecily and Aaron. Hello, everyone. Welcome to One Weird Trick, the show where we share little tips and tricks to living a happier, healthier life. Just I'm, the tips. Just the tips. I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Cecily. And we've got a great show today. First up, I'm going to be talking about dealing with anger. Mm. Like when you're trying to introduce a podcast and your co-host keeps making jokes and it's fucking up your flow. Uh,
1: Arr, do, what you do you hate do about being interrupted?
0: It? I do. I do. Does, what does do you, it make you angry? What do you do about it? Uh, Then, Cecily's going to tell us about the concept of emotional labor. Finally, we'll both be opening up the old mailbag and seeing what kind of weird tricks people need help with this week. But, real quick, before we get started, I just want to let people know that you just missed our fabulous July Live Patreon stream event. But don't panic. It's archived on our Patreon site at patreon.com slash swizzbold. We discuss coronavirus spikes, evictions, our hopes for legislative priorities in 2021, and tons more. Had a lot of fun hanging out with people. And if you sign up today to Patreon, you'll be good to go for the August show. So if you want to support us and get a little bit more swizzbold in your life, patreon.com slash swizzbold. All right, let's talk about anger. I come from a pretty long line of angry men. Uh, men who would their with their anger have their families and their friends and their loved ones, coworkers, kind of uh, constantly on edge, waiting for when they would blow their stack. Now, when I was exploring this with my therapist uh, through therapy, he helped me understand that these kind of sudden, irrational bursts of irritation and anger is often the sign of underlying depression and anxiety. Uh, In fact, a lot of times people talk about anger as a secondary emotion. I don't think that's always the case. Um, I mean, I don't know. We've got a lot of psychologists and psychiatrists listening. Maybe they can correct me, but I think there's times we can be genuinely angry, you know, things that we can genuinely be angry about in today's world for sure. And anger can be really powerful. You know, if we're righteously angry, That can provide us the strength that we need to oppose injustice or demand better treatment for ourselves to stand up for what is right. But a lot of times when people say um, anger is a second emotion, they mean that what we're feeling in a moment might be anxiety or depression or grief. But especially for men, we don't feel like we have a way to express that in a way that's safe or socially acceptable. So instead of expressing it, we suppress it until it boils out in a way uh, that is, does feel safe and socially acceptable. And a lot of times that looks like
1: punching holes in walls,
0: punching holes in walls. I'm actually going to use that as an example. Um, I heard one therapist say that anger is grief's bodyguard. Uh, Since it doesn't feel safe to express sadness, anger is there to just fuck up anybody that might hurt us when we're in this vulnerable state. And it's a coping mechanism that uh, we create to respond and deal with and then even avoid pain, you know, because another time if you're angry with people, they want to get away from you and leave you to fuck alone, which is a lot of times uh, the goal. There's often a natural progression with anxiety. First, you start to worry about something. And if you're prone to anxiety, that small worry begins to snowball Uh, with even more worry, and then it gets added and blended to the things that you're already fretting about to the point that you don't even remember why you're so stressed anymore. You just feel on edge all the time, and that leads to mental and emotional fatigue, which can then cause you to carry muscle tension, and that can lead to poor sleep, which then leads to poor concentration, which can lead to performance issues, which then causes even more stress and anxiety. And when your brain is just sitting in this chemical and physiological stew... It comes out as anger and irritability. Uh, This kind of response cycle is really common in people who suffer from uh, PTSD or OCD, post-traumatic stress disorder, or... Uh, obsessive compulsive disorder. So what happens is when you experience this acute irritation, like your kid breaks a glass or your spouse interrupts you in an important task or in the middle of a podcast introduction, uh, (laughs) someone in front of you in a line at the grocery store, you're standing six foot behind them and they take 10 seconds longer than you think they should to put away their change after they pay your body. Just, you can feel it gets jacked up with this flight fight or freeze response. And if you trigger flight or freeze, you might withdraw or avoid certain situations or disassociate or retreat into yourself. But if that fight response gets activated, watch out. You then might verbally lash out. Maybe you'll break things. Maybe you'll start punching walls, like Cecily said. Um, And like we said, a lot of times this is a learned coping mechanism because you get upset, you get angry, you blow up on someone, maybe someone you love, you convert that anxiety to anger, that anger to regret, and then you can attempt to apologize and emotionally reconnect with your loved ones, which ironically, that emotional attachment and that love is probably the thing that you were kind of after in the first place. But again, we're not really taught to talk about our feelings and ask for what we need, especially as men. So what do we do about it? What's our weird trick here? Um, uh, this is goes for a lot of the things we talk about in this podcast uh, is you got to be aware of how your body reacts to anxiety. What are the warning signs? You know, racing heart, feeling restless, heavy breathing, shallow breathing, constriction in your chest, feeling of in- of impending doom. Uh, these are all things that you can learn to identify as warning signs. And once you do, you can start to gain control over this impending anger attack. But also it's important to eventually find the source of the anxiety, where these learned patterns are coming from, and address those in order to heal. And you want to do that because there's tons and tons of research that shows that if you're the type of person that makes other people walk on eggshells around you, uh, if you grow up in that kind of house where sudden irrational bursts of anger are normal, it can affect you for life kids raised in households where this happened stop being able to recognize neutral emotions because the people who love them would snap and go from neutral to very angry in a moment. So like a neutral face ends up feeling like someone might be mad at you. Um, Someone who isn't like obviously happy is probably mad. So you feel like you have to do something to ward off the inevitable wrath that you're going to get. And this can lead to, you know, adults or as adults, over-apologizing to people um, because they can't distinguish again between someone just chilling and living their life and someone who's covertly angry. And if the person isn't visibly happy, they feel like they're about to explode. And obviously, this is an insane way to live and to expect people to be, and it wears healthy people out, and it's exhausting for everybody. Um, So I found that, like... Especially with me, uh, because a lot of like my anger and anxiety comes from things I experienced as a child uh, at the hands of my my parents. And I found that like taking these principles and applying them backwards in my life and thinking about the like really uh, points in my life where my mom and dad were really uh, unnecessarily mean or perhaps cruel to me. Um, it helps a lot because I see it wasn't something that I did or something that I needed to do. It wasn't something that I did. was bad or wrong, uh, that brought their wrath on me. It's really that they were anxious, stressed out people that didn't have a very good toolkit for dealing with it. Um, they had a better toolkit with than their parents and you know, them making that, you know, small progress over generations is allowing me to like be on this podcast and talk about this stuff. Um, but by recognizing that, I'm able to forgive them. It makes it easier to forgive myself. And then, you know, seeing what set them off and knowing that I'm a large part an expression of, of them and how they raised me mm-hmm. helps me by thinking about, you know, how I can apply that in my life. Mm-hmm. So if you find yourself as an anxious, uh, easily provoked, angry person, uh, you know, think about where you got that. Um, how that expressed in your early life and maybe that can help you, uh, decode that thing and de-stress, talk, get some help with your, your, your grief, figure out ways to express pain in healthy ways and, uh, you know, not be ready to blow up all the time. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, a lot, uh, I agree with a lot of what you said recently, personally, I've realized that I am dealing with anger issues. And it's something that I wanted to avoid being angry, being the person who punches holes through walls, but it expresses itself in all sorts of ways. So if you try to push that part of yourself away and suppress it, mm-hmm. it can manifest in other, all kinds of ways. Yeah. So kind of acknowledging the anger head on is is a healthy way to deal with it. Yeah, thank you.
0: Let's talk about
1: emotional labor, emotional
0: labor. What is this?
1: So there was an article published a few years ago in 2017 in Harper's Bazaar called Women Aren't Nags. We're just fed up. And this article made the rounds. Uh, A friend of mine showed it to me and said, I I told my husband about this. And his reaction was that all you had to do was ask (laughs) for all the things that you want. And then I read the article and shared some of the ideas with my husband, Aaron, here. And I got to admit, we had exactly the same conversation that her husband had with her and that she told me she had had with other women as well. But, you know, if you just want something done, all you have to do is ask. But we didn't want to have to ask was the point of that. So before I get into this, I just want to note here that I'm going to be using traditional genders and gender language and gender roles, which can still be applicable to any living arrangement that you are in, but the traditional aspect is what we're going to focus on. So let me sum up the article for you. The writer, Gemma Hartley describes asking her husband to order a house cleaning service as a mother's day gift. And her husband called one company got one quote, decided it was too expensive, and said, I'm just going to clean the house myself as a treat. He ended up only cleaning the bathroom. Mm. And she describes how, as a woman, she would have taken on the, you can't see my quotes and fingers here, but the emotional labor of calling multiple services, getting competitive rates, finding the best thing, asking friends and family for recommendations, and he ended up only cleaning the bathroom himself. Which isn't exactly what she wanted. Uh, So she complained to him and he countered with, well, all you had to do was ask. And uh, she, you know, the writer describes emotional labor as all of the traditional feminine duties that women carry out. You know, remembering birthdays, meal planning, making appointments, housework, braiding her daughter's hair. Uh, Her emotional labor is doing these things and wanting some appreciation for these normally thankless tasks. But asking for appreciation is seen as reminding the man how useless he is and what he is not doing as a reminder of his failures. And in her mind, that's where the emotional labor comes in managing her emotions and her husband's fragile ego. However, according to Arlie Hochschild, the woman, writer who coined the term emotional labor in 1983. Uh, the term is not being used correctly, according to her. The, the definition, according to Hochschild, is the process of managing feelings and expressions to fulfill the emotional requirements of a job. More specifically, workers are expected to regulate their emotions during interactions with customers, coworkers, and superiors. So take a front facing job like a bartender or a nurse for instance no matter what they're going through like a dog dying they're still expected to show up to work with a smile and actively manage their emotions all of that sending christmas birthday cards cleaning the house that's just straight up labor remembering appointments and balancing schedules that's mental labor managing management. other people's management yeah other people's emotions still not emotional labor so household also coined the term emotion work, which is what you the kind of work that you put in to change your emotions personally. Like you describe, anger management is a form of emotion work. Controlling your fear during a tense situation so your young children don't get upset. That's another kind of example. So now now that I've set the record trade on that aspect, I I do think it's important that Gemma Hartley's article and, you know, the subsequent book that she wrote after 2017 that expands on that definition are valid-ish. Uh, you know, we don't have a term for that feeling. The feeling of you know making sure that holidays, birthdays, meals, et cetera, are special to make sure that household chores are done, not just when we run out of dishes to eat off of or underwear that are clean. You know, those are really important things in a balanced, socially active household, I think. You know, but the writer is making a completely different point about gender roles that she herself is setting in her own household with a young boy and girl and making her husband feel less masculine by nagging. I think, I think there's a lot of some aspect of that that is just personal preference, how you want things done, how you want things clean. You know, if there's some sort of feminine expectation that you have to have things done to a certain standard. Yeah,
0: there's a lot of because, like, um, that's that's one of the things that I've uh, had issues because like I'm open to the idea of like you know emotional labor and the idea that like it is exhausting to come up with a meal plan every single day for the rest of your goddamn life like you know what makes you want to blow your brains out just thinking about like all the washing clothes and washing towels and washing sheets and but there's some other things that we're like I feel like this is like Betty Draper shit. Like the idea that you would send out handwritten thank you gifts or, like, oh, thank you. It was so nice that you invited us out for dinner for every little social interaction. I mean, like, that's
1: extra. Yeah. It's more like I'm remembering like, birthdays and Christmas cards and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. But yeah. I think
0: that there is there's some of both there. Like, you know, um, if you were to say, hey, I want you to sit down and, and handwrite uh, thank you to everyone that came to our party, I'd be like, get the fuck out of here. I feel like some of that stuff is like, going the way of like knowing which is your salad fork versus which is your dessert fork.
1: I mean, that's getting it. I think that's really getting into the nitty gritty of it. But you know, the, again, societal expectations that are passed down for Mm -hmm. generations and it's up to you to determine how that affects your household. Mm -hmm. It's still not emotional labor. You know, after, after I spoke to Aaron about this years ago, when we first discussed the article, he, you asked me what you could do. And I was like, again, I don't want to have to ask, but you know, it's, if it's my personal preference of tidiness, how is he, how are you supposed to know? Are you now taking on the emotional labor of reading my mind (laughs) and anticipating my expectations? Uh, So, I mean, what we did personally is we resolved this by redistributing chores. I, I told Aaron how much I hated going to the grocery store and we split that task and, you know, our kid is 13 now, so he does the dishes when he's around. He always cleans his own room. I do the laundry, but he puts his own clothes away. You know, I collect the trash from inside of the house, and you guys take it out and make sure it gets out to the curb every week. Starting to train him in cleaning the bath, the art of cleaning a bathroom. <laughs> right. You know, the, the those are just some examples of our own household. But I linked the two articles, the one from Gemma Hartley, you know, redefining emotional labor for her and an article from uh, the writer, Miss Hochschild, that, you know, her redefining her actual definition from 1983, post that article. Those are linked down below. Please, please read those because I think they're, it's really interesting and it'll give you a lot more detail about how this works out. But, you know, I guess I come down on the side of like, Emotional labor means one thing, but defining gender roles and expectations is absolutely up to you in your own home. Yeah. So...
0: And that's the thing. is like, you also like, you have to balance labor. Like, I know that our... I I feel like our dynamic has shifted a lot, too. Like, Mm -hmm. when... You know, I was doing the podcast and you were working a full time job. We had a different mix and like a different routine because, you know, you would get leave earlier, obviously, than me and you mm-hmm. get home later. Right. Um, and I had more free time. And because um, I, I guess a lot of this, the way we balance is like, I like to spend my free time with Cecily. And if I have a bunch of free time and she's busy with a bunch of bullshit, I'm not having as much fun as if we could spend that time together. So, like, what are ways you can maximize that time to spend together with your you and your spouse and your family? Um, you know, making sure everyone's pulling their fair share is the best way to do that.
1: Right. I will always advocate for just open, honest communication. Like, there's sometimes when... I'm making more money than Aaron and he's making more money than me. And, you know, those kinds of those roles flex throughout your life. Mm -hmm. And I'm currently unemployed right now. So I feel like I'm picking up a lot of the slack and doing a lot of things, or at least I'm trying to. But, you know, it's trying not to trying not to get let our egos get hurt Mm -hmm. while these things shift. That's all I've got on that.
0: Well, all right. Now it's time to do the email labor. (laughs) <laughs> of shifting to the advice segment as we open up our mailboxes. Uh, people send requests for weird tricks to OWT at swizzbold.com. We dip in. We find a couple four or five nice juicy wriggling ones. <laughs> we, we put them on the line and, and we can see what we happens. Slimy
1: uh, yet satisfying. Slimy
0: yet satisfying. First up, Me Too says, Thank you so much for sharing your story, Cecily. Uh, he's of course reference ref- to last week? Yeah, he's a reference to last week's podcast. I can't imagine what all of that must have been through uh, or like to go through, not only to deal with the event itself, but to be dragged through everything afterwards, particularly in the way you described. I honestly can't imagine it. I'm so sorry you had to experience that. It's just terrible. Uh, as you were doing that portion of the show, I felt tears starting to well up in my eyes. Life is full of strange coincidences. Or as my wife, who's very into quantum theory, might say, there's no coincidences, but things line up. I mentioned in passing in a previous email my cousin who's now in jail having molested multiple members of my family. I was somewhere around 8 when this happened to me. Life went on. I came to understand more of who he was as I got older, hearing what he had done to my sister and a sort of vague phantom notion he had acted inappropriately with my brother as well before anything had even happened to me. I don't think anyone knew what had happened to me and supposedly, quote unquote, he had changed. He apparently had changed multiple times, as I have no idea why we gave him so many chances to change in any sort of good grace. But that's another matter. I think the reason for writing this email has to do with what you said about people not knowing that anything wrong was happening at the time. I've had so much trouble even now letting in the fact that it was a traumatic event in my life, even though the injury is clearly there. For the longest time, I hedged it or somehow tried to reduce his impropriety. In my case, I felt apprehensive about calling myself a victim avoided uh, the word molested and opted for touching inappropriately. Mm -hmm. I think the best example is when he finally was being prosecuted because he had done something like this yet again. And the cops were talking to my family. I was still not ready to acknowledge what had happened to me. That was problematic and felt very relieved that my sister stepped in on our behalf. It's taken me many years to even get to where I am now, which is closer, but not all the way to true acceptance. Anyway, I was moved by your story and I appreciate the ability to tell mine. I almost started crying again as I typed this, which is a good thing in my book. Keep chipping away at the event's power. I'm glad he's in jail and I hope the stories are true and he's having a miserable go of it. I want to be above that, but I'm not. Maybe someday, but that's not a priority.
1: Yeah, it's it's a really difficult thing because we, we call it nowadays redefining what rape and sexual assault and harassment mean, but... Uh, what's really happening is that we've been told a long time that for a long time that it's just really acceptable what's happening and for us to understand the damage that's done later is yeah like i said all the things that happen afterward can be as or more traumatic than the actual event itself if we were just able to deal with it properly and i the way we
0: talk about like you know i've heard so many parents you know uh, or the way people talk about it um, is like, oh man, that happens to children, man, they're gonna be fucked up forever. Oh man, they're never gonna have a chance in a normal life, thinking that they're I don't know, expressing pity or sympathy, but like their children hear that and other people hear that. And, and you know, to your like, children. What yeah. happens if you're a small boy or girl and it happens to you? Mm-hmm. Do you want to tell your mom or dad something that they've you've heard them describe as like, you know, now you're gonna be damaged goods? Like it can be. Uh, it, it can wind up making people feel victimized twice because mm-hmm. they feel like that they can't tell the people that they love about it because they'll judge them or they'll think they're damaged or broken. Um, and also, if they do come forward, you know, they have this internalized stigma about themselves, like, mm-hmm. oh my god, do I? Do, yeah, do I want to be a victim? I mean, this you see this through some, right. so so across so much of society. You know, like nobody wants to feel. Like a victim, nobody wants to feel like they're powerless or can't. Nobody
1: wants to tell their story and have people make puppy dog eyes at them and say, "I'm so sorry," but I do want people to feel bad for me. I want people to Mm -hmm. understand that the story happened, and maybe you shouldn't propagate it anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, I've I didn't talk about this last time, but I had a real struggle trying to even define what happened to me. Was it just misconduct? Was it rape? Was it, you know, assault? I don't know. But yeah, yeah. It's really... I, I really appreciate that I helped you come to grips with your story a little bit more and to understand that it's not it's not a you problem, even yeah. though you might understand it differently later on.
0: Yeah, sometimes when I think, because it seems like statistically... Uh you know, women are anywhere between two, two to five times more likely to be sexually assaulted um, as as a, as a child. Um, and I wonder if that's an actual true stat or it's just there's so much pressure on society for, you know, young men to not talk about this. Like, you know, think about what a landmark thing it was for Terry Crews, you know, to come forward and talk about him being sexually assaulted. Um, Isaiah Thomas, I think, is the... Uh, basketball star that said that he had been molested as a child like these things are like 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 it it feels like coming out as gay 30 years ago so like I wonder if in 30 or 50 years we'll understand that like that there's tons of men who were previously sexually molested never said anything because who the fuck do you say that
1: to right or like how can you admit it or, like, saying that 40 years ago there weren't trans people.
0: Right. This is This is a, this is a modern phenomenon. Yeah, yeah. Or where did the, all these gay people come from? You start <laughs> you start letting them throw parades and they come out of the woodwork. like.
1: Right. And our rape and assault statistics are not great because guess who's not reporting it? Right. Guess who's not actually filing reports that they've right. received? Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All stuff will inter It's like so easy. It's, it's, I mean, this is, this is part of empathy and sympathies to realize, mm-hmm. you know, all these things are connected. All these things stem from the same kind of societal rot. They all, um, and, uh, yeah, I yeah, I, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. Like, I think all good things are going to come out of it, but it will be interesting to see how we feel about this stuff. Um, wasn't, was that Mary, Pater- K- 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 the, 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 I don't know, like,
1: Oh, Mary Kay Laturno. Laturno. Right.
0: Like, she, died she just died of, Yeah, she just died of leukemia this week, which is why it's fresh in my mind. Because people still write uh about her having an affair with this student.
1: An affair. An affair.
0: Like that was at one of the headlines. Teacher infamous for affair with students, not raping her student, not emotionally coercing him, not try getting pregnant to trap him. Uh, but she just had an affair. It's this tawdry mm. kind of thing. I'm very curious to see how we talk about that stuff as a society as we move forward. So mm. uh yeah, me too. I, I appreciate you sharing that story as well.
1: Yeah, I hope you that person being caught feels like a step, but I hope I hope you're still making steps to get the peace you need mm-hmm. and deserve. All right, next email. <laughs> From writer, I'm a race car and 2020's got me in the red. <laughs> it's a Dangerous thing I have a race car in the red. They might blow. They might blow at <laughs> any time. They say, I feel like my mental health has been very challenged this year with coronavirus, quarantining, economic stresses, the political climate, etc. I just work, go home, eat dinner, rest for a few hours with TV or whatever, go to bed, get up in the morning, rinse, and repeat. I've been staying home on the weekends in order to quarantine as much as possible. I haven't spent any time with friends or traveled anywhere since COVID became a thing. I try to escape with TV, but I end up just inundated by media coverage and I'm saturated or I'm at my saturation point on everything, even though it's important to be aware and current on political, social, or racial issues. <laughs> My family supports Trump, and I don't, and are all lives matter people, and think BLM is overblown. So, the Bureau of
0: land management, <laughs> I agree. They go too far.
1: <laughs> so that's also been a little difficult to handle. I go online to escape and have fun, but everything's so serious, or people are so on edge that it's just not fun anymore. There's gaming and that only goes so far. I feel like I'm one more day, one more upsetting newscast, one more crappy Trump tweet, one more anti-masker, one more bitchy person away from driving to the beach, yelling out into the void and having a good cry out of frustration over just everything. Actually, I probably do need to spend more time in nature and get away from feeling like I'm stuck inside of the same four walls every day, but I'm trying to be safe and stay healthy. I don't know what to do. What's your one weird trick for saving your mental health during the stressful times we're in?
0: Uh, man, I've been thinking about this a lot, too, because I feel like the last few months have been interminable, but also have blown past. Like June felt like it, it happened so incredibly fast. And when... That happens with me. I always feel like it's because I'm getting into probably a routine or rut. You know, Wait, like the, when the, did
1: June happen? Aren't we still in February? No,
0: no, it's actually <laughs> July. We're the year's half over, <laughs> and so I think that the antidote for that always, always, always is to cultivate like presence. You know, the fact that uh, you're feeling disconnected from your life, you're feeling like you're in a treadmill, a routine that's like Groundhog's Day, nothing ever changes. An antidote to that is to be present in your own life, you know, to show up and think, uh, try to ground each day. Like, what am I doing today? You know, what am I trying to do? How does it fit into an overall goal? Now, sometimes that can be for short periods of time, like I'm just humping on work because, I'm trying to accomplish this thing, or I'm writing, I'm working my dissertation, it's going to suck for six months to a year, but then I'm going to be done, it's going to get me to the next thing, or, you know, I got to take care of my sick mom or dad, and that's going to suck for a while, and I might need to ask for help. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is, it's like, you know, uh, you need some kind of goal, you need some kind of thing to feel like that you're, you know, building yourself up. And, you know, being aware of what's going on in your body, what's going on around you, reconnect with people. Um, That's what I mean by when I say, like, you know, cultivate like presence, you know, intentionally living your life in some kind of uh, uh, meaningful way. Mm -hmm. And it's tough because we are in this kind of semi-quarantined, you know, twilight life where things are kind of open but not or... You could maybe do this, but is it a good idea? Um, you know, I, I do think that you should make you should really lean into that desire to get into nature and maybe reconnect with friends. and Maybe you can put them both together because uh, from everything I've read, it's pretty healthy And low risk behavior to go out on a walk in a park with some friends, you know, stay six feet away from each other, wear masks where you're going to be in close proximity, but go get it, go hit a trail, Mm -hmm. you know, Uh, go uh, to a park and sit in the sun and and catch up, Um, you know, go to a creek and toss some stones in or something. What do you think?
1: Yeah, it's tough because... You know, it. the temptation is to read Twitter and Reddit and whatever and get really angry and Doom upset. scroll, they call it. Doomscroll, yeah. But you also have to recognize your privilege to turn it off mm-hmm. and to drive down the street or go out into nature and understand that if you're not black, there's no kind of threat out there for mm-hmm. you, mostly, most of the time. Maybe if you're a woman or a trans person or something like that. Hey, 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 we're it keeping starts to, positive. Yeah, I'm just saying that you know that i think that there is a certain amount of compassion that you can have and an understanding of what's going on in the world but also you know not empathetically detrimental to your health mm-hmm. i was actually just talking to our 13 year old today about how he read that this 30 year old man maybe killed himself, died in some kind of way. And maybe he threatened to kill himself because he's looking for attention, things like that. That's a really tough conversation to have with him. Yeah. I can't tell him to just, that's not your life. Just fuck it. Mm -hmm. But also that's not your life. Fuck it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, you have to put your, your own mental health first. Otherwise you can't help any other person. Mm -hmm. You can do all the right things and have all the right causes. And, And keep those things in mind. But that doesn't mean that you have to stay angry and just ruin your own mental health because of it. Now, easier said than done.
0: Yeah. Uh, Also, like, I really firmly believe in disconnecting from social media every once in a while. Like, this July 4th weekend, uh, like, Friday, as soon as lunch was over, I fucking got off of Twitter for all my bald move accounts, all my A-ron accounts, uh, Instagram, YouTube. I just unplugged. And spent time with you, and you know, talked to some friends. And um, the Just other got thing, out of
1: nature, like you the said. other thing is
0: like, yeah, I had some some things like you know, I was really digging like Bob Ross, and some like I was watching this always on American Gladiator channel, and they've become infested with fucking political ads. Yeah, so like, I think a lot of people are going back to. uh you know hey friends is on hbo i'm just going to go back and watch things that i'm nostalgic about and i know they're not going to upset me because i know all the storylines i've been watching a lot of star trek of late for the same reason yeah like you know uh you're right it is important to know about politics and current events right but it's
1: also important to indulge in that kind of escapism like you said race car playing video or gaming, playing video games, going out in nature, reading a book that is not about anything that you have to really think about. Maybe you can just find escapism in that kind of way. And...
0: And it's other thing is like it's, you know, one of the benefits of being in polarized times like this is you don't have to keep up the day to day. Like you probably and a lot of people listen to the show probably know how they're going to vote for the next 10 years. Uh-huh. You got to you got to remember to show up and you got to make sure, you know, you're registered and they haven't like tried to fucking, you know, do some kind of underhanded thing to to, to take your franchise away, defranchise you. But like. It you don't have to fall to politics day to day to know like what you can do as a citizen. You know you can take a couple of days or even weeks off if that's what you need to do, and uh, as if you're ready to you know come back recharged and continue to fight the fine fight. You don't have to like get into it with your Trump supporting family all the time. It no. is good when you can do that from a position of strength, but just like. You know, when the airlines say when the plane's going down and their masks fall, as tempting as it is to help your friend and your small children, you got to get that mask on yourself first. Or you're going to pass the fuck out before you can help anybody else. So, yes, do all those things, but from a position of of strength and and energy and not from like weakness and just barely holding on.
1: Right. And, you know, the last thing I'll say is that COVID-19 coronavirus is a defining event. Just like 9-11. All the media that will be made and consumed post-COVID-19 will be different. Mm-hmm. It's going to be wildly different. I mean, I, we watched a movie from 1990, I think. And there was a there was a, a dance scene where everyone's super close together. And you view that with a different lens. Yeah. Like, it's 1983, but I'm viewing that like, why are those people so close? Yeah. like, like this, f- It
0: feels weird to see people dancing cheek to cheek. You right. know, 500 people on the dance floor.
1: Right. So maybe stretch those, you know, adaption muscles, too. It, things things won't be normal for a long time. And even when they do become normal, it'll be a new normal. Yeah. So I mean,
0: this, this too shall pass. Um, maybe the new normal will be better. Maybe it'll be worse. But, you know, uh, it's still our job to keep working to make whatever we end up with a little bit better.
1: Yeah. Stay safe. You first. Always you first. Mask huh? on you first. <laughs>
0: Let's talk about Solitary Man. Here's my question. I'm a 40-year-old single dad of two boys, 16 and 14. After a 15-year marriage ended a little over two years ago, I'm trying to figure out what my next steps in life are. I just ended my first serious relationship post-divorce because despite being with someone I enjoyed spending time with, we are in different timelines, and it was just moving too fast for me. I wasn't ready to begin thinking about merging families, and frankly, I value my newfound freedom too much to sacrifice at this point. I worry that this freedom might be an impediment to ever getting fully invested in another relationship down the road. I mean, now I can do whatever I want to do, spend time with kids, travel whenever I want, intensely focus on work when I need to, and I worry that this freedom will seem too good to give up when things get serious with my next significant other. Or maybe I'm overthinking it, and when I meet the right person at the right time, it will just work. Any thoughts or advice?
1: Yeah. I mean, you you said it best yourself. You just have to kind of metabolize that. If you aren't fully invested in another relationship down the road, then there's nothing wrong with you Mm -hmm. for not doing that. You know, if you find someone that you feel comfortable with and your kids like and you see yourself spending the rest of your life with, then great. But if you don't, then that's fine too. You know, you first, like I said.
0: Yeah, you don't want to settle. I mean, uh, there's also uh, I think I read this somewhere that for every year you spend in a relationship, you should take at least a month off. So right, like if, I heard
1: that like that's how you recover from a breakup. Yeah, like, however much time the relationship was, you need a month per year or something to, to like, actually half fully, the time, something yeah, like, that.
0: like and then that's I think assuming you're actually trying. You know, right. you're, you're you're doing things right. You're not just throwing yourself in rebounds and stuff like that. Um, And when I look at this email, I'm seeing a guy who's been out of relationship for two, just two years and has already found a pretty compatible relationship. Um, You know, one of the things I think that helps is when you're in a situation is the idea that there is actual abundance out there, Mm -hmm. you know, um, that you don't have to you don't have to take every single opportunity that comes your way. Uh, You can take time to focus on yourself to, you know, you've spent 15 years um, in a relationship. You've raised all these, these, these children, you're almost, I mean, the other thing is like, man, you're what, four to six years away from kind of like being done with that too. And you'll be in another phase in your life. Do you want to get into someone with a blended family and maybe they got five and six years olds and you want to sign up for 10, 15 more years of this stuff? Like, I think it's, it's pretty healthy. To take a step back and think about what do I actually want, you know, and, and you're never going to go wrong investing in yourself. You know, that's one of the big things. If if, if I talk to a person and they say they're really gripped up about finding someone or being alone, uh, invest in yourself, you know, work out, uh, read a book, go take some classes, Try a new job, get into a new hobby, because all those things are going to make you a more interesting and desirable person for when you do find, you know. Whereas engaging and if nothing in behaviors. Else, it'll
1: make you more interesting and fulfilling to yourself.
0: Right. Whereas giving in to like feelings of desperation and loneliness is going to make you clingy and needy. And those are like less attractive. And you're going to be more apt to. You know, compromise things that you want. Um, It might also be a good idea to think this is a helpful exercise I went through is like try to describe what woman that you want. You know, or what kind of partner you want, in very specific terms. You know, like what did, you know, what kind of attributes should they have? You know, what kind of career should they have? What some
1: kind non-negotiables? Yeah, some what are the things? Wants.
0: Yeah, because like a lot of times, um, you know, I got married when I was twenty years old. I didn't do any of that shit. You know, like the first woman that I found attractive and found me attractive, and like you know that was that was the way our, our religion went. You know, you get. You get married young so that you can (laughs) funnel all those impure thoughts into your marriage and then everything's going to be fine. But like, we also had very little in common. And once the religion thing no longer became a thing, we had nothing in common. So,
1: But even using you and I as an example, like you just started to, when you and I first got to know each other, it was super casual and it uh felt like things maybe would have been rushed or forced or not quite right. So we split up and then, you know, lived our separate lives and got back together. It seemed like we came. It seemed like timing was great in helping us do that. But, it, you know, if this person is someone you still are interested in, but just are not ready to rush it, then maybe it'll come back in time. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But there is like, you know, the, most of these things, uh, whenever you're gripped up about losing out on an opportunity is to focus on the f- fact that there is an abundance, you know, mm. for Every There's just so many people out there uh, to meet. And I guess the other the corollary to that list option is, um, you know, be, also be flexible, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and like we were looking for a perfect house. We made all the like must-haves, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. But you know, we ended up compromising on one or two things because we had one or two other things about this particular house we're living on that were like just perfect for us.
1: Right. It has this thing, but it also has this thing. Yeah. Like we it's want a It's an underground car garage. single garage, but also it's in the right price range in the great neighborhood, you know? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. We can we can ride our bikes down to a river and jump in. We and we like that. <laughs>
1: yeah. That's why you have to have the the list of like non negotiables, uh-huh. things that you just want yeah. and things you absolutely cannot have. Yeah. And yeah, don't settle, don't don't compromise on your compromises. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's,
0: figure out the things that, that are the most important than what you can't compromise. And then, uh, but yeah, I, I just think that when you're in these periods of time, uh, don't force anything, let it come organically and naturally. And when you find yourself in times of alone, enjoy the things you can only do when you're alone. Yeah. Focus 100% good on yourself. sex advice too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> focus on what you want to do and making yourself, uh, you know, more well, oh, healthier, more well-rounded individual. And that is, you know, by, by doing that, you're going to make yourself more attractive and you're going to open up yourself to, and I'm not talking about physical attractiveness. I'm talking about attractiveness in t- t- terms of being interesting, being healthy, being stable, uh, those things are people, things that everyone wants in a relationship and working on cultivating those things. And and not just a romantic, those are things that are attractive in a friend. Those are things that are attractive in a parent. Yeah. Uh, Yeah.
1: And you've got two almost adult boys now. So those are absolutely, you're still being a role model to them. So you wouldn't want anything less for yourself than you would want for them. Right.
0: Yeah. You don't want to teach them to settle.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're doing the right thing. I hope, um, Loneliness isn't overwhelming, but you should absolutely focus on you.
0: It is. That's a a thing I I probably should have mentioned to uh, race car about the about the blow or in the red. Is that like, man, everything I say about coronavirus blowing goes so much further when you're talking about a person who's living alone. Like, I'm so thankful that I'm quarantined with you and Jack and our cat uh, that I get to see Jim every day. You know, yes, it's across uh, Discord, but I, I, you know, I have a good a friendship and yeah. I get to talk to my family on the phone. Uh, people that, like, don't have that physical, intimate contact, it's just, I mean, I see it all the time. People talking about on Twitter right. and other outlets. It's like how, what, what a miserable time it is to be alone or trying to date or, or do anything in this environment. Yeah. Um, so if you can't do that, then, again, work on yourself so that you're going to be raring to go when... When you do have that opportunity. Yeah. Uh, and you'll be able to take it, you'll be able to, to jump in.
1: All right. Our final email for today is from Art Recco. They say, I just wanted to email in and say thank you for what you're doing with the show. When you're s-
0: welcome. That's so sweet.
1: Aw, thank you. When Spizzbold when first started up, I only thought I needed the three right turns pod, as advice show columns have never really been my thing. That's yeah, fair. You know, <laughs> How I, wrong I, you were, I, you I, I fool. Just, and, and
0: if you only had to listen to one, you know.
1: <laughs> Sexist. Uh, plus, I thought, incorrectly, that I was essentially getting something similar on Bald Lunch. Hmm. Hmm. Mm. We do premium content everywhere we go. Mm-hmm. But then Cecily left Bald Move. That's an interesting way to interesting put that.
0: Interesting way to phrase that, yeah, <laughs> you, you, Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. just winner mutual ways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Our Reca was bummed to not have Cecily's voice on, and perspectives on lunch anymore, so they decided to give one weird trick a try and was hooked immediately. Ah. Both of your perspectives and insights have really helped me out in my own thinking and situations in my life and how I interact with others, and this podcast is now essential listening for me. It's a podcast that I didn't know I needed in my life. See, you never settle. Never you settle. Never
0: settle. Keep working on yourself. Keep looking mm-hmm. for the 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 what the the best thing out there.
1: Might be painful at first, but <laughs> you gotta keep
0: trying. <laughs> gotta go through so many three right turns <laughs> before you get to those one weird tricks. Yeah.
1: Well, thank you. Thanks for thanks for joining us. You may have to drag your feet, but I hope it's worth it. Yeah, I mean, that means a lot.
0: Like we've gotten mm-hmm. a lot, a real strong response and I really feel good about uh, the community of listeners and advice seekers and givers that we're building up. Uh, makes feel real. Makes me
1: feel real good. It's a yeah. br- real bright spot. Plus, I'm not a moderator over here. I just let my opinions just rip like Beyblades. <laughs> <laughs> uh, finally, they say, I just wanted to throw in a game recommendation based on your couple's gaming discussion. If you haven't tried it yet, I highly recommend checking out Outer Wilds, not to be confused with Outer Worlds. It just came to Steam, but it's also available on PS4, maybe.
0: No, I did look it up. It is. It is available on PS4.
1: This game is a masterpiece and would be really fun to play with someone, given the structure of the game. It'd be great for passing the controller back and forth, but essentially Ah. you play as a member of an alien species in a dying universe, and your task is to unravel the various mysteries of the universe, all while exploring an ancient civilization. I'm doing the alien guide, ancient aliens guy yeah, from the history aliens. channel. Then things get a bit weird. I can't say too much without spoiling, but the narrative that unfolds is fascinating and a sense of exploration and discovery is really satisfying. It's quite unlike any game I've ever played, and it's one of the best, most moving experiences I've had with a game in a good long while. Not sure if it'd be your cuppa, but just thought I'd throw it out there as another game reco for games or for couples to play together. Yes, I've heard that it was like 2019's game of the year, according yeah. To, but yeah, I'm very got a lot of
0: Got a lot of buzz. Um, In
1: fact, I think maybe I started playing Outer Worlds thinking it was this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, I would like, uh, yeah, I, I, that looks really interesting. I'd like to try it. I got to get through The Last of Us first. Yeah. Because uh, man, God, that game is so, I can only play it's it for about an slag. hour and a half, two hours a night because it's so stressful.
1: It's stressful. Like,
0: fuck Seattle. I'm so, this, this this yeah this goddamn Seattle city
1: fuck these wolves with, with the,
0: fuck Seattle fuck the wolves fuck the scars fuck, fuck, fuck the fungus women. zombies I'm fucking the have I've had it up to here with them tired of fucking scavenging for bullets yeah. I just just why I just want to get I just want to just want to avenge my adoptive father and go back to Colorado okay <laughs> yeah. at this point yeah and and go on patrols on my horse this this is just just killing people left and right. It's just uh, just really getting to me it's for but, the birds. But I want to finish that. Um,
1: and uh, yeah, yeah, thanks for the recommendation. We are we just finished watching what we do in the shadows because we mm. always have like a, you no, know, we have our individual recreational time and then we have our together recreation time. So that that should be a fun thing for us to try. Yeah. Thanks everyone for writing in. Thanks for listening. As painful as it may be, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron will be back next week for another three right turns, and we will together be back in another two weeks for one weird trick. If you have any feedback for us, questions, comments, concerns, requests for one weird tricks to improve your life, love, and happiness, you can email us again at owtswizbold.com. We're also on all of social media at Swizbold. I want to say thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. We could not be doing any of this without you. Mm -mm. You can become a patron if you are not already at patreon.com slash swizzbold. But right now, I want to especially thank all of our Fred-level patrons by name, which include Brandon Nevedo, Jared Harrelman, Byron Rasmussen, Jenny, Lisa Singleton, hey, mom, Jordan Hoyt, Kira Grusho, George P. Greg Rasp. Angelo Morano, Arvind Rao, James Taylor, the James Taylor, he's got mm. Caroline on his mind. Have Damn. you made this joke before? It's fine. <laughs> Lori Luthi and Mark Han, thank you all so much for supporting us. It's it's really incredible to see the support we've gotten. You can also find Swissbowl themed merch at merch.swizbold.com. That's a mouthful. Mm. Uh, you can find all these links on our website and in the show notes. We also do monthly live streams, which Aaron talked about earlier. The last one was on July 7th. And the next one will be in early August as well. So you can watch those live or the past events by joining our patrons at patreon.com slash swizzbold. And uh, when is
0: our one year anniversary? It's got to be getting like in November. Is it November? Uh Okay. So we just got a little
1: bit to go. One year almost already. Wow. Incredible. We'll
0: have to do something special. Yeah. Like teach a cat to say, yes. Yes. Do you feel like or more say, one weird tricks?
1: Yas.
0: How about three turns?
1: Yas. Can we teach them to say "wah hi. Yeah.
0: I don't know we're if you guys hi. know, but we're. You know what? I'm gonna put them in the show notes. If you want to know about the Yas cat yeah. and the Wah cat, and they're gonna be <laughs> in the show notes. And and also race car. That will keep. That will take your red line a little yeah, bit lower.
1: There you go. Follow us on Twitter. Aaron and I separately. <laughs> swizzbold, at BaldMove. We're we're full of mostly positive energy. Yeah. Uh, well, if not, we'll make you laugh about about how terrible the world is sometimes.
0: <laughs> You'll never guess, but I'm the sunny one on Twitter.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, he is. He's absolutely the optimist. Well that'll do it for this week. Again, I'll
0: see you next week and then we'll both see you back two weeks from here. Until then I'm Aaron. And I'm
1: Cecily. Bye. Bow,
0: bow, bow, bow.